Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Looks can be deceiving. Sort of a platitude, we all know it to be true, but sometimes we forget it. Looks can be deceiving. It's like the first time, this will probably hit 3% of you, but I'm going to say it anyways. Um, the first time I saw the music video of Taking Back Sunday, and uh, in the music video, Flavor Flav is singing the song that I, I know is Adam Lazar's voice, but Flavor Flav is who's on the screen. Looks can be deceiving. Like I said, that probably hit less than 3% of you. Uh, maybe a better example is when I first heard Adele sing, and I looked at her and I said, that's coming from her? That great, glorious voice is coming from her? Looks can be deceiving. Okay, that hit maybe 16% of you. Great. Well, candy is universal, so I'll give another example. Looks can be deceiving. I was in college, and everyone knew um, that I was a big fan of, like, sour candy and fruit candy and things like this. And one of my best friends uh, played a little prank on me and offered me a Skittle. I was so excited. There was these green Skittles in his hand. I said, sure, I'll take a Skittle. That'd be delightful. I grabbed the Skittle. I put it on my tongue. I bite into it, and it was an M&M. Looks can be deceiving. I, I nearly gagged. I hate chocolate, um, and so I've, to this day, I've not eaten, I've not eaten a Skittle nor an M M&M, and uh, M, just because that was terribly traumatic for me. Looks can be deceiving. Well, that's sort of the theme today in our readings: um, that the things on the outside are not always what they seem. The things on the outside look a certain way, and yet um, they're not necessarily that way. In our gospel passage today, we, we have this familiar story of the blind man. He was he was blind from birth. And they pass him on the way, the disciples and Jesus, and the disciples ask, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So the question is, surely someone's at fault here. Surely someone's to blame that he has been afflicted with blindness since he was born. And Jesus answers them and says, neither are responsible for this. Look, this is sort of just the human plight. Sometimes we're born into unfortunate situations, and it's not necessarily a direct correspondence with actions. Yes, this, this world is broken by sin. Yes, our rebellion as humans have caused all the problems, but it's not always a one-to-one correspondence between the individual's plight and his or her actions, or his or her parents for that matter. So what Jesus is breaking down here, he's breaking down the logic of karma. Now, he's not saying karma, but that's really what's going on here. They're talking about uh, what we would call karma, what you often hear out in culture, and maybe sometimes you do it too. I say it sometimes. I think to myself, karma. But karma is the doctrine, the idea is that what you put in is what you get out. Uh, The things that you do uh, directly correspond with what you receive in life. It's actually a terribly cruel doctrine. Uh, What you give is what you get. What you put in is what you pull out. Uh, What goes around comes around. We all say these things. We all think these things, even if we don't say them. That's karma. Jesus is breaking down the logic of karma and saying, look, this man was born blind uh, to show forth God's glory, not in his blindness, but in the fact that he would one day be be healed. It's similar to what uh, St. Paul says. It's in our weakness that we uh, we show forth our strength. We boast in our weakness. We boast in our sufferings. This is the logic of the gospel. So Jesus is breaking down the logic of that hard law of karma, which is terribly cruel. Uh, And I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've ever looked at a parent who's lost a child. It's terrible. It's a terrible thing. But how could we dare stand up and say, oh, that's karma. You get what you deserve. You lost your child because of what you did. That's the worst thing you could say to someone. It's completely untrue. So if you use that kind of language, I'm just kind of encouraging you, throw that out. It's terribly, terribly, um, 
devilish. It's demonic. It's, it's against the Lord. So that's sort of my first point. You know, Jake is not here, but in classic Jake uh, style, I'm going to say that was my first point, uh, that karma is, is not at all in line with Jesus' uh, kingdom. It's not at all in line with the gospel. Looks can be deceiving, though. So the man appears to be sinful because he's blind. He's stricken with blindness. So somebody's got to be to blame, right? Well, wrong. Looks can be deceiving. Jesus is removing the option that we'd even talk that way. He's removing the option. He's pulling the rug out from under our, our, our law speak, our karma speak, um, our give what you get speak. So if looks can be deceiving and seeing is not believing, there's a theme of seeing going on here. You know, the man, of course, comes to see. He comes to be no longer blind. Uh, he sees. And yet he doesn't fully understand yet. We'll get to that toward the end of the sermon of what, what kind of is the tipping point for his understanding. But the Pharisees see it. The disciples see it. And yet the Pharisees, even though they see that the man's been healed, they want to deny it. Um, they see with their outward eyes, but they, they don't want to you know, claim it as uh, God's work. Looks can be deceiving. And what are they hung up on? The Pharisees are hung up on, well, the man probably is a sinner. He surely is a sinner. But also they're hung up on the fact that Jesus healed on the Sabbath, uh, which was a big no-no, a big taboo in their culture. And, of course, that was sort of a misappropriation of that good law of keep the Sabbath holy. Um, they, they, they viewed this as work. But Jesus was not going to pass a man just because it was, you know, the Sabbath and say, oh, sorry, you're here for the wrong day. Come back tomorrow. No, he healed the man. He did God's work at that time, in that moment. So Jesus uh, was not a sinner. Just, just to be clear, he was not a sinner. He was not uh, breaking the law by healing on the Sabbath. But even more so, these Pharisees, and you and I too, it's not just the Pharisees, we all are by default are into karma and into legalism. That's just our thing. That's our default um, position in life. But, you know, they respond to the man. The man is, who's been healed, you know, he's, he's sort of confessing Jesus as Lord. He's not quite there yet, but he's saying, look, I don't know if he's from God or not, but he healed my blindness. And I don't know if anybody else has ever done that. And Jesus did it in such a weird way too, right? He spat on the ground. He rubbed it in the mud, put the clay on the man's face and says, go wash off. You know, Laurel and I were talking this week. We're actually going to start implementing that in our Thursday healing service. Uh, so if you want a little spit and mud on your eyes, come Thursdays at 1210. No, I'm only kidding. Of course we don't do that. We do, though, we do anoint you with oil, and we declare God's promise over you that he has made you whole. He has healed you by his wounds. Even if the outward appearance doesn't seem that way, you are healed in Jesus' name. Um, but we did talk about this week, uh, Laurel and me and Jake last week actually before they left, we talked about all these different methods that people want to use for prayer and manipulating God and maybe healing prayer. Jesus is obscuring that very way of manipulating God because he does a different method every time he heals someone. He doesn't do it the same way. So there's no surefire method that we can manipulate God with. I think it's a, a fascinating point. Anyways, back to, back to the, the idea that looks can be deceiving. The man has this confession that Jesus has healed him, and maybe Jesus is associated with God, and the Pharisees, they say, look, maybe, maybe he is. He's probably not. He's a sinner. You follow Jesus, but we follow Moses. That's their confession. Looks can be deceiving. Well, if you've got your bulletin, you're, you're welcome to look along. You don't have to, but referencing back now to our Old Testament lesson, the readings from 1 Samuel chapter 16, and that same theme is coming out. Saul is the king of Israel, the United Kingdom of, of Israel, before, before they split, of course, and he's not doing so great. He's, he's really not God's chosen one anymore. So God has directed Samuel to go anoint a new king from Bethlehem of Jesse's, um, Jesse's children. And Samuel's got his eye on, on a few of them. He said, that's got to surely be the one, right? Well, looks can be deceiving. God responds at Samuel's first choice of Eliab, and God says, surely the Lord's, oh, excuse me, I don't have my verse numbers marked here. It's like preacher 101, do that. God says, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, 
because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The Lord looks on the heart. He sees not the outward appearance. So looks can be deceiving. We look at the outward appearance. We look at the circumstances uh, on the outside. We look at the externals, the visual, as it were, to point to what's going on. But God's saying, look, you don't have the eyes to do that. You don't see properly to, to pull that off. Only I know what is truly the case in the heart. Looks can be deceiving. So Jesus was not a sinner. Jesus was healing on the Sabbath, not a sinner. And the man is healed, and he's got this confession to make, and yet no one believes because all the signs point to something else. And by the way, that, that word sign is very important in John's gospel. These signs, these miracles that Jesus does, they're not simply for the sake of the miracle itself, the healing itself. They always point to Jesus' divinity. That's the whole point, is demonstrating who he is. So this is all well and good that the man was healed, but that wasn't the point. The point was that he can make this confession that Jesus is the Lord. That's the whole point. But on the outside looking in, Jesus doesn't look all that great, right? He doesn't, he doesn't look fantastic. And as, as things go on, it even gets worse, especially when he's hanging on the cross. You can't look at the cross and just think to yourself, gosh, it's obvious. God is working right there. No, we look at the cross and we look away immediately. It's a terrible thing to look upon. We say, surely God is not involved with that. And yet the confession is, he was. And these terrible things that on the outside appear just like they could not, they certainly couldn't be of God. Well, they actually are. So what is my point here? All these signs, these visual things going on, it's actually pretty um, against sort of the Hebrew, Jewish, Christian mindset, which is skeptical of, of the external, skeptical of the image, skeptical of anything visual. It's not to say that it's all bad, but we're skeptical. We, we read the Decalogue this morning. The second one is do not make a graven image. We can't capture God in a visual image. Don't do it. So from the start, the Jewish mind, the Hebrew mind, is skeptical of the visual. Whereas the Greek and the pagan mind is more interested in that. You know, Plato's doctrine of the ideas, the forms, idea. The same word that we get for idol. Not to say that ideas are necessarily idols, but things visual, things we look upon, it's the Greek word idu, to behold or to see. The Greek mind is obsessed with this, and yet the Hebrew mind says, no, 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 we don't look to what we see, we listen. We listen. We hear the word of God, and that's how we're assured that God is working and God has done his work. So moving along with the man who's been healed, the man now has his sight. He's been given back full capacity to see, which he never had, only now to fully lose his stature in society. In confessing Jesus as being the one who healed him, he's putting his, his own reputation at stake, and they cast him from out from the synagogue. Anyone who associated with Jesus at this point was no longer allowed to be in the synagogue. And so he gained his sight, uh, but he lost his community. He gained his ability to see, uh, but he lost his place in society. So it's really a terrible, terrible thing. We would think, oh, his lot in light has improved so much. He can see now, uh, but he's lost everything else. That's a good word to you and me. We, we hope for a lot of things in life. We hope, we hope, we hope. And maybe they occur, and we think, yes, this is finally going to be it. I now have this vision, or I now have this job, or I now have finally had this child that we've been praying for all these years, or whatever it be for you. Whatever the circumstance is, it's not always fully everything we ever wished for and what we needed. There's something beyond it. There's some sort of effect that happens that we may not have seen. And so for the, the man here, having his vision restored or given to him, he loses something else. And Jesus is not, you know, uh, against this. He's, he's all about it, in fact, because it's an opportunity now to go engage the man. So in the last paragraph of our reading, Jesus heard that they had driven the man out. And when Jesus found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? 
The man answered, Who is it, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said to the man, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. The man said, Lord, I believe. And then he worshipped him. So the whole point being here, the man's sight has been restored. He's, he's not quite though sure what, who this Jesus guy is. And Jesus comes through his word, preaching to the man, literally preaching to him and saying, I am the one. I am the Savior. I am the Lord. I am the one to whom you look and trust. It's through this preached word that Jesus gives to him that the guy finally turns around and says, yes, I believe. So it wasn't in seeing. Remember, looks can be deceiving. It wasn't in seeing, but it was in hearing. It was in receiving God's word through the ear. And friends, you and I want this in our lives, you know, whether it be with a loved one, whether it be a romantic relationship or a sibling or a parent or a friend, whatever it is, actions do speak very loudly. And sometimes they do speak louder than words, but there's that time where we always need that word, right? That time comes when you want to hear the words, I love you. I love you. We need it. We need to hear it. Here's sort of a negative example, but Paige and I are watching, rewatching. Uh, for the third time, it's kind of embarrassing, but the third time, The Office, uh, which some of you may have seen the American version, but this is sort of a negative example, but it, it proves the point, uh, or demonstrates the point. It's the scene where, if you've seen the show, Andy and Angela are engaged, and we come to find out that Angela has been cheating on Andy. It's pretty obvious. All the, all the visual signs kind of point to it. She's not interested in, in her, her fiancé. She's interested in someone else, and Andy probably knows it. He sees it. He kind of understands it, but he wants to hear it. That's what it finally assures him. He asks, are you cheating on me? She says, yes, I am. That's the moment when it all turns. It's in hearing, friends, that we're assured, whether it be for the good or the bad. It's the word that confirms everything that's been going along. Because all these outward signs, they can point in different ways. All these life circumstances, the appearances can be deceiving. I walk out, you can walk, gosh, throw a rock in any direction. There's these people who will tell you your fortune, will tell you your past or your future. You can't miss it. They're everywhere. And by the way, if they ever encounter you and they say, oh, I can, you know, I can tell you your past, the, the best response you can say to them is, I knew you were going to say that. It kind of throws them off their game a little bit. Uh, you're, you're now the seer. But yeah, there's people out there always want to interpret and tell you all the signs are pointing to this. But friends, it's through the Word of God. It's through God's Word. Not only in Scripture, uh, not only at the table where we hear the words, this is the body given for you. This is the blood given for you. Not only in our baptism, which by the way, these are all external words applied to us, but most fully in Christ himself, the, the living Word of God, we're assured of God's grace to us. So whatever the outward appearances are, whatever it, whatever it may seem like on the outside, we can't, we can't use the visual, as it were, to assure ourselves. We have to hear from God. And this is a big point, you know, in our, our tradition, the Episcopal Church, the Anglican uh, Church, Thomas Kramer was big on this. He was big on the Word. And that's why our service is in English and not in Latin. Uh, that's why we have it in the vernacular. We hear a sermon in the vernacular as well. Everything is all about the Word. And you know, the standard in the Episcopal Church, I'm not against Holy Communion every week, but the standard really was uh, a service of the Word. That's, that's what we really emphasized. I would say hold Word and sacrament together. When you, when you receive communion, you're also receiving the Word. This is for you. Never, never confuse them, but also never separate them. The Word and the sacrament go together. So pointing from Cramer, I want to talk about another reformer just very briefly, and it's, it's very brief, but Luther. Martin Luther says, you know, the primary organ of the Christian is the ear. It's the ear. Why? It's not the eyes. It's not the hands. It's not the feet. It's the ear. Why? It's because we hear by faith that we are justified. We hear by faith that we are beloved in God's sight. We hear by faith that we are forgiven. We hear by faith that we're offered a new life. So Martin Luther's right. The primary organ, and really the only organ that we can trust, is our ear. 
No, not our physical ear, but I mean hearing the word of God applied to us. So in baptism, when you hear, I baptize you in the name of the Father, it's a sure word. You are baptized. You are claimed. God has claimed you in your baptism. When you hear the word in the sermon, hopefully you've heard the word today. At the very least, you heard it read, but in the sermon, that God loves you and God is for you. Despite the circumstances of your life, despite the appearances, God is for you. And also when you hear it at the table here in a few minutes. Oh, and I forgot one. We heard it in the absolution today. That's a sure word, too. When God declares his promise of forgiveness through the minister in the absolution, it's not because the minister is very holy, although Tom is a great guy. I just met him today, and I really like him. But it's not because he's a great guy. It's because God is a, he, Jesus has assigned his word to this. And it's a sure word. It's a sure word. So when you're promised forgiveness, it is true. So, friends, don't look at the circumstances of your life. Don't look at the things that are the storm of life that's going around you. Maybe it looks good on the outside, or maybe it looks bad. Don't put your faith in that. Put your faith in the sure word from Jesus that you are loved, you are forgiven, you are justified, and you have a place at his table. Friends, that is our trust. That is our hope. So looks can be deceiving, but God's word is never deceiving. It is for you today. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.